Welcome back to Settlement Nation Podcast, your favorite trial lawyer and high performer show. Today, I have a great guest with me, Lauren Wood from the Omega Law Group out of California. Lauren has obtained hundreds of six and seven figure verdicts and settlements for her clients and has tried numerous cases to verdict either as a solo attorney or lead chair. She has extensive experience in arbitration and settling cases through mediation, which we're also going to talk a little bit about today. She's been named a Southern California Super Lawyers Rising Star every year since 2016 and has served on the board and as part of many local and state lawyer organizations. She's also the founder of the Women in Trial Travel Summits, which is fast becoming a fan favorite amongst the legal community as the place for women to go, network, and create more intimate friendships and connections within this space. Now, these are not your average lawyer conferences, as some of the locations this year include Peru, Bali, and Hong Kong, which I can't wait to get onto those topics. So welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me, Courtney. I really appreciate it. Oh, I cannot wait to dive into this episode. Uh, For everyone listening, I actually heard about Lauren and her uh, travel summits through a colleague of mine, and she was raving about them. So I couldn't wait to get you on. But first off, just always is the beginning. I want to know what was the catalyst or what prompted you that made you want to be a trial lawyer? Oh, shoot. That's that's actually a really difficult question because I really wish I had one of those uh, mind-blowing stories that everyone has about how some something in their life just drastically right. changed their life and they wanted to do you know, good and help other people. But, um, I sort of just went the boring route. I, I, uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do with my career. I was in school. I was a poli sci major. Um, I liked the law or I thought maybe I would. And so I went to law school. And then when I was in law school, I ended up working with a plaintiff's personal injury firm, um, for a little bit. And then I also, worked with an asbestos defense firm. And so both civil litigation, I I didn't necessarily know I wanted to be a trial lawyer. I just um, liked litigation. And then it wasn't until I was thrown in um, and tried my first case solo uh, as an associate that I really figured out that that was what I love. I love that. Now on that topic, I know a lot of lawyers that sort of writing questions to the show, they always want to ask the guests, how do you get trial experience as a young lawyer? You know, some of them say, is it, I'll just try any case at any time for you. How did you get thrust into the the courtroom being an associate? That is a really good question. I got very lucky. I was with a firm um, where it was a, a formerly Shermer and Drain. Um, my eventually I made partner at the firm and my former boss, then partner, um, he and his father owned the, owned the firm and had had this trial firm for many years. And they just said, like, you know, we're going to throw you right in. We're willing to spend the money. Um, we're going to find a case where probably there's a zero offer. And this one was was it. And it was also disputed liability. So it was very, very difficult. And they basically they basically made the decision as a as a business decision and for my personal development to spend the money to try a case that probably most people wouldn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a huge case. And it I had, I think, two experts, so it didn't cost a lot, but inevitably it was, you know, something. And usually I think those decisions would be 
um, to not move forward because the you know the finances don't make sense. But um, that's how I got my first trial, and I am like I said, I'm very lucky in that regard. As it relates to advice, I mean, certainly trying any any case you can, you know, try the hard ones. I think that a lot of mistakes that um, newer young lawyers make is they they want that perfect case. You know, they want perfect liability. They want a great client, um, you know, no prior injuries. And they those those don't exist, you know, and they, they especially don't exist when you're a, a young lawyer um, or new lawyer. And so you, you have to try the hard ones. You have to try the ones that you think you might lose. And you have to be um, of the understanding and, um, you know, ready to, to lose if, if that's what's in the cards. The reality is trials are hard to come by, you know, um, no matter how desperately you want a case to go to trial, those are the ones that always settle, right? right. The, the, the really good cases settle. And then when we really, really want it to happen is almost always, um, when it does. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I haven't been in trial like that much. Um, I'm, I'm not an ABOTA member, but, um, I have prepped, you know, probably, uh, five times the amount of cases I've, I've actually tried because they, you know, the, the more you work them up and the better you work them up and the closer you get to trial, even after experts, they, you know, they settle too. So. Now in that process, I want to talk a little bit about trial versus settlement. How do you decide, um, which route to go or what is best for the client. You know, as you said, sometimes you're working it up and you think you're going to go to trial that does settle, but do you have any process or anything that you use when you're trying to figure out what's best? You know, obviously the client's interests are number one. Um, I think it varies case by case. There are varying degrees, right? You could have a client who um, is really adamant about trial and maybe you give them, ultimately what it boils down to is just making sure that they have all of the appropriate information so that they can make the decision. You know, I, I make my recommendation. I go through all the pros and cons. I talk about costs. I talk about experts. I talk about what, you know, what I think the case might be worth or what we could get at trial, pros, cons of the venue, things like that. I, I, try cases typically in Ventura County, which is a more conservative jurisdiction. So um, that usually factors into it. Um, and then you, after you've given them all the information, let them decide. Obviously, if you have good client control, um, they'll usually do uh, what you suggest. Um, and I think whether or not to try the case really just, it, it depends on a lot of factors, but ultimately what the client wants to do. That's great. And also speaking of trial, you've had some really great results um, in your bio from the verdicts that you've had. Why do you think you're able to ask for such, you know, big numbers, but also achieve them? You know, I really don't think there's a, any secret to that. Um, I think that if you work up your cases properly um, and you don't hide the ball and you give them all the information they need to, I mean, at least in terms of settlement, if you're talking, if you're talking settlement, um, the way to get cases settled is to give the carrier as much information as they need to properly evaluate the case and pay it, you know, make it hard for them to pay it. If you're actually aggressive and working up your case and um, constantly moving the case forward, they're going to, they'll notice. Um, they'll also notice if you're sleeping and not doing anything. Um, and so that's clearly the way to settle cases. 
Um, like I said, with trial though, I, I feel like there, maybe it's more, more for me and not, um, I don't know, these, these big guys that, that try cases all the time. I, I feel like trials sometimes are just like unicorns, all the perfect <laughs> things have to fall into place to actually happen. You know, I, no matter how hard you try, I mean, I, I love to be in trial more, but you know, like I said, the good cases settle and the bad ones settle for reasons that, <laughs> you know, we, we don't like talking about. Yeah, for sure. No, that's really great advice. Um, now speaking of your image, you know, when you walk into a courtroom or even just any room that you're in, do you have a image that you want to project to say the jury, the judge, the other lawyers in the room in terms of how do you want to be seen when you enter a room? Well, that's a, a really interesting question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. Oh, good. Um, I'm, I'm happy about that. And you are. <laughs> I like this question. First of all, I, I try to be the nicest person in the room, which is kind of amusing because I can be known to be aggressive and maybe not so nice with opposing counsel usually. Um, but in trial in front of a jury, I want to be just like sweet as pie. And I, I play up the nice girl card and, you know, I, I play up the female card too, you know, especially when uh, opposing counsel is male and an asshole. I use that to my advantage, like every time. Um, and in my experience, the, the worst, you know, the worst they are to me, the more demeaning or loud they are, the better the verdict is for me or the better the response I get from the jury. Um, so I do use that. And, and, and then the other side of it is, you know, you'll hear, so many trial lawyers out there talking, particularly, obviously, plaintiff lawyers saying, you know, you, ha- you can't wear a nice suit. Like, there are certain people who wear, like, the same suit to trial that they've been wearing for, like, 20 years, whatever. And um, nothing. I, I agree, obviously, you shouldn't be flashy. But for me, I want to be comfortable. I want to feel powerful. And, you know, if if feeling powerful and put together means wearing a nice suit, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to put on... Um, a, an ill-fitting suit that's like tattered. I, it just, it doesn't work for me. And if I don't feel my best self and I don't feel organized and, and put together, it really will. I, it, um, sort of leaks into other parts of my, my life. And, um, I just not as on my game. No, I love that. Actually, Angela Bruner, who was another lawyer that we had on the podcast, she said that her shoes are like part of her sort of um, suit of armor that she has to wear. Oh, I love that. So do you have something that you wear that's maybe, is it like a special piece of jewelry or shoes or something that you do that's Mm -hmm. like your thing that you get to have control over that gives you that extra edge? You know, I wish I could say it was a fabulous pair of shoes. Um, it's not, uh, but I do. So I, and actually it's, it's the inspiration for one of my group trips, but, um, before the pandemic, I was going to Hong Kong, uh, right around once a year to get suits made. And so I think my, my, um, armor would be a tailor made bespoke suit. Love that. that. It's really well. And, you know, it doesn't have to be flashy, but just a, you know, nice navy fitted suit. Yes. Perfect. Now, last sort of questions on the trial route. Um, 
you know, or even just as being a female attorney in this space, in the plaintiff space, because it is very tiny for everyone listening, especially males might not realize how small the female plaintiff trial, trial lawyer group is. What are some challenges that you've faced over the course of your career, if any? Oh, well, that's, that's a funny additive at the end because it's a lot. I mean, um, <laughs> challenges. There are too many to list. I mean, I think as a younger female lawyer, it was just not being taken seriously. Um, you know, you just have to fight harder. And I found that so frustrating. Now I, I kind of can laugh it off, but it really did used to bother me. Um, you know, I had a judge call me young lady in front of the jury once, and it was in the context of like scolding me too. Oh. So that, that was not fun. Um, little things like that, but you know, I, I'd like to say we, we kind of get used to it. We shouldn't, but, um, I'm, I'm sure maybe, maybe, maybe we just get thicker skin over, over the years right. and maybe, maybe the landscape has changed. I do think the landscape has changed a little, even since I've been in practice a little. Um, and so for that, I'm grateful, but, um, you know, maybe our coat of ar- armor just gets a little bit stronger. That's fantastic. Now we're going to transition to your women in trial travel summits. Uh, first of all, you know, I know that you have a travel blog. You love travel, obviously, yourself. But what was the catalyst? You've been in this industry for so long, and I'm sure you've been to every different event that's been out there. What made you think, you know what, there's space for me to start my own, and also I want to start my own? Yeah, I mean, obviously, travel influenced it first and foremost. I was trying, to, I just wanted to figure out a way to get women to travel more, get out of the office more, um, take time for themselves. And obviously with my love of travel, uh, doing these events in international destinations was a big part of it. But I also saw a need after, as, as you correctly pointed out, after going to, you know, hundreds of conferences, you know, I, I really love conferences. I, I always have. Um, but there are some things about the conferences that are in our profession that I don't love and that I know a lot of women don't love. Um, and it just seemed like a good opportunity to create a safe space, uh, where we could learn from one another and really share information about our cases without any fear of like, say, you know, someone implying that that they should take the case over. Mm Um, and ultimately when I, when I had the event, the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. In fact, more so than I could have ever imagined. And those were some of the comments that were made, you know, um, having a safe space and feeling, um, as though the women could not only like let their hair down, but legitimately, um, open up to one another a little bit more, both personally and professionally. And I think that's really important. And for someone that's looking to attend your big, your Mexico event that you have for this year, what can they expect? And then we'll move on to the small group ones. But for the big one, what what can they expect by going if they're a first timer? Yeah, so that one is more what of what you would expect at a typical conference. Um, ne- so next year's event is just slightly different than last year. Uh, I added one additional day, but essentially... Um, it's over five days. The first day is a welcome reception. Everyone, most flights to, from the U.S. arrive in the late afternoon. And so you land in beautiful Punta de Mita, Mexico. 
um, arrive for a welcome reception and that's all there is for the first day. And then over the next four days, there are speaker sessions in the mornings and they're intentionally held only in the mornings. Um, nothing past like noon or 1230 so that the, attendees can enjoy themselves you know what why would everyone go all the way to beautiful Punta Mita and spend the entire entire day inside you know you you certainly get plenty of hours of MCLEs and we have some fabulous fabulous speakers Um, I don't know how I got so lucky uh, with this group of women who have said yes Um, but yeah and then there are social events thrown in um, not a packed calendar. That was one of the things that I did very intentionally. I I wanted to leave space so that people could uh, do things on their own or, you know, for example, visit nearby Sayulita, um, lay by the pool, whatever, you know. Um, but there's there's just enough networking and learning and fun. I love that. Now, speaking about your small group trips, what is the difference between these ones and say your Mexico trip? And then what would someone expect if they're like, you know, I love the sound of this. I've always wanted to go to Bali or Hong Kong. What are the types of things that you have scheduled for those? Yeah, so that's an excellent question. I I would say the small group trips are more travel-based with some MCLEs thrown in, Mm. right? Um, It's really a hosted trip, uh, especially all of the trips are specially curated by me. Um, And they're anywhere from like eight to 12 women. I think Bali where I might be able to fit a little bit more than that, but they're small. They're kept intentionally small. Um, And then we do MCLEs. So for example, the Tuscany one that Angela attended, um, we, it was over, I think eight days, seven or eight days, and we did um, MCLEs every morning over breakfast. And so you'd have one speaker and you, you know, it was really efficient. So I, efficiency is part of it, right? You want to be able to, especially if you're traveling to a, a fabulous place like, like Italy, um, you want, you don't want to be spending your time inside, but you're right. still getting these MCLEs. You're still learning from one another. And actually the small group setting for, um, I, in, I've so far only done ethics for the small groups. Um, and it's really nice because you can have candid conversations in, in a more intimate setting. And so, yes, an hour of MCLEs usually either every morning or, or one like half day where we'll do maybe three hours all at once. And then the focus is to really enjoy the location, um, connect with the attendees on an even more intimate level because there's just a, you know, about eight to 12 of you, um, and travel, right? (laughs) Travel, travel, travel. So from your Tuscany trip last year, what would you say that was the highlight for you other than having all these great women together in a group? Was there some activity that you'd planned that was better than what you expected? Uh, Oh gosh. Uh, well, you know, I was really, really excited for the truffle hunting, uh, which was fabulous. And um, the truffle hunters, Doug Mela, I think was a big hit with everyone. But what surprised me was the cooking class. We did a cooking class with Christiana and Mama Nora, and uh, we made ravioli, tiramisu, um, you know, fresh pasta by hand. And the two women who hosted us, one in particular, Christiana, was hilarious and had us in fits all day. Um, and so that, I think I expected it to be good, but I would, I would qualify it as great. 
So good. And why do you think um, the people that have attended your trips are such big fans? Like, what do you think is the standout um, sort of takeaway that they get? Oh, that's a really tricky question. I'd like to say, (laughs) I mean, I really do think a lot of it just has to do with um, experiencing these fabulous destinations with your peers, your colleagues, women who share similar interests um, to you, because, you know, we're all lawyers um, or we're, you know, all in the legal industry and we automatic that automatically connects us in some way. So if you don't know anyone at all, you are automatically have that connection. Um, but I, I also think that, or I, I'd like to think that the reason um, the trips are so well received are, is because I, I do put a ton of work into them. Um, I obsess, I'm very OCD. I obsess over every little detail. <laughs> um, I, I research, I, you know, I scour, um, you know, if it's someplace you, I try to pick places I've been and, and obviously destina- destinations I've been, um, because I'd like to hold myself out as a sort of an expert in, in the area, but also restaurants and things. And if I haven't been there, I really do the work, um, to make sure that I research it and hope, you know, hope that it, it ends up being a, a good option. And so far things have worked out. Not that would. For any female attorneys or women in the legal space listening, is there still time to book a ticket for the Punta Mitra event or sign up for your group events this year? How do they do that? Oh, yes. Okay. So Punta Mita is April 12th through 16th, 2023. Uh, there is plenty of time to book for that. I do have a special code oh, for exciting. the podcast. Yes. So the code is trial lawyer, all one word caps, and that'll give you 50 bucks off your ticket. Um, the Mexico conference is Obviously, there's space for a lot more people than than the small group trips, but um, I do have Peru coming up. That's going to be a pretty amazing trip. Um, I actually have to give a shout out to my sponsor, Rosa Florentino of Quest Settlements. She's incredible. And we, in that small group trip, we are going to go to Cusco and Machu Picchu, uh, which is a trip I did just last year with uh, two trial lawyers, Michelle West and Megan Klein. And we had a fabulous time. And I'm basically just re- redoing that trip because it was perfect. Um, it's quick. And um, should be a lot of fun. And then, of course, I've got Bali in June and Hong Kong in the fall, October. Is amazing. I mean, I just hearing about these things, I was lucky enough to go to Hong Kong uh, in December it, just for a quick trip coming back from Australia. And it was amazing. I did not have enough time there. Yes. So, yeah. So for people who it, want custom suits or just to see what it's like, I mean, it's so clean, so amazing, so orderly, mm-hmm. just you're mm-hmm. like stepping into the future. It's, it's very cool. So that, and you know, oh, yeah. I've been to Bali too and Bali is amazing. So, um, for anyone yeah. listening, I'll put the code in the show notes as well so that you don't miss out on that. Make sure you book your tickets. Now, Lauren, we have two questions left. I mean, time flies when you're having fun. Um, <laughs> it really does. I know. Wow. So, that was fast. Yeah. So two questions to go. Um, as a female lawyer, 
you know, what is some advice you have for other lawyers listening, male or female, whether they're starting out or they're seasoned? What's something that was maybe told to you that you think is important to share with others? Oh, that's tricky. Um, as it relates to trial experience, I would say maybe I, I, I sort of, I, I suppose it depends on whether or not you're on your own mm-hmm. or with a firm. If you're on your own, um, ask to co-counsel on a case with a trial lawyer that you know. Um, and, you know, I, sorry, men, but if you're a woman, like, ask another female, female trial lawyer. There are plenty of us, right? Um, doesn't have to be one of the guys. And so, you know, if you have a case that you think might go to trial, reach out to someone, um, and see if they'd be willing to co-counsel on it with you. That gives you trial experience and, it's, I mean, it's a win-win for everyone. That's fantastic. And I definitely do agree. I think uh, women should be supporting other women in the industry. And there's a lot of you out there. And if you go to one of Lauren's events, you'll meet many more. So that's a good incentive to go. You might get a case. You might be able to find someone to co-counsel a case with. Yeah. Last question, Lauren. What is something you know now that you wish you knew 10 years ago as an attorney? Oh, well, oh, 10, exactly. Well, okay. I'll, I'll say 12. Yes, you can, you can pick <laughs> um, your exact number. <laughs> I, I wish someone told me earlier, uh, before I started my career, um, just how amazing it is to actually be a plaintiff's lawyer. Um, I was under the misimpression that, you know, it was, I wanted the, which I know is not real, but, uh, now I know it's not real, but the glitz and glamour of like a, you know, high powered defense firm, all, all that garbage. Um, I had no idea. And thank, thank God I didn't go to a defense firm. Um, I would hate my life. Uh, <laughs> and when I have an opportunity to speak with young lawyers, you know, without disparaging the defense, like, a lot of a lot of younger lawyers approach me and say, "Wow, my gosh, you travel a lot. How are you able to do that?" I said, "Well, it's because I'm a plaintiff lawyer. I mean, I, I can, for the most part, unless I'm in trial, I can make my schedule, and even that um, is is malleable. I was supposed to be in trial, and just I, actually, I'm supposed to. I was supposed to answer ready tomorrow, but um, I made counsel and the judge aware of my conflict, and you know, they'll." They're usually very um, understanding if you, especially if you're open and upfront about stuff like that, you just say like, look, I'm unavailable. Like judges especially know that we have lives. It's okay to say I'm unavailable. I have a trip um, or I'm at a speaking engagement Mm -hmm. or I want to, you know, I want to take my son to a baseball game. Like that's okay. We have lives and families. And so I have always tried to be more mercenary about my schedule. And so far it hasn't backfired. um, Knock on wood. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I sort of lost my train of thought on that one, but, um, oh yeah. Yes. The question is advice. I, I would, um, definitely tell younger lawyers that it's so much better not to have to bill hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get to help our clients and we get to try cases and speak to juries. And I, I, I can, couldn't imagine a better profession. Um, I just wish someone had told me how great it was earlier on so I could just go straight there right? and not have to, you know, figure it out by doing other things. 
I love that. And so this is the time where you get to plug yourself. How do people get in touch with you? Maybe they want to book a ticket. Maybe they want to email you because they're like, I want you to co-counsel my case with me. Um, Instagram handles. Let's get everything. Oh, I love it. Okay. So it's a mouthful, but um, the the website is the best uh, way to get information about the Women in Trial Travel Summit. It's www.womenintrialtravelsummit.com. And so my email, even though it's also long, is just lauren at womenintrialtravelsummit.com. Um, yeah, I... I mean, I, I probably shouldn't put my cell phone on here, but um, email me. And if you want to ask information about a case, you want advice, or maybe you want to consider co-counseling, that's great. I would say just email me and, and we can exchange information and chat. Um, you know, now at Omega, we've got some fabulous female trial lawyers. In fact, um, my colleague, Lourdes Diarmas, is in trial right now. Um, and then we should be trying a case together soon. So, uh, we are trying cases and call us. Love that. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. And for everyone listening, I'm actually going to Mexico. So I'm not just talking about this. It's actually something that I'm going to be attending, which is super exciting. I can't wait. But for everyone who loved this episode, make sure you share some love with Lauren. Uh, Send her an email if you have any questions for her. I will put the links to the Women in Trial Travel Summit, the website, Instagram, and her email at the bottom of the show notes, as well as the code to get your percentage off your ticket. Don't wait. It will sell out and you will miss out and cry because it's going to be so much fun. Uh, Thank you so much, Lauren, for joining us on the podcast. 